uh, my sophomore year of high school, which now that I look back at the calendar was longer than what I thought it was, uh, I interviewed to be a district representative for the state of Indiana student council. So what that means was the state of Indiana was broken up into 12 districts and there were two high school students that represented all of the people in that district. Now, if you've seen the Hunger Games, that's just a coincidence that they're broken up into districts. This is not what was happening uh, or why I was going to go be a part of it because I would not be here if that were the case. But um, So it was a two-year term and you got to be the representative for, the, for your local high school and all the schools in your area. Uh, you got first shot at like going to a national convention. It was a really, really big deal that I wanted to be a part of it because student council was one of my things that, that I did in high school. And so I had to go through an interview process and uh, there were 11 other candidates that went through the interview process to get it whittled down to two people. And I was one of the two people. And I got to go to what was called representative assembly where I had to give my pitch as to why they should vote for me to be the district representative for District 12, and I stood up in front of 500 other high school students that were just in my district and gave my pitch for why they should embark on a journey with Clark uh, for my campaign. Yeah, they didn't think it was impressive either. So, um, so uh, at the end of the day, we had a bunch of leadership training and workshops and lunch, and at the end of the day, they announced who were going to be the new incoming district representatives. And so they're just like, all right, so now it's time for announce. They bring out like the envelope, please. Like they bring out the envelope and they're like, all right, District 1. I'm like, I'm District 12. District 2. I was like, this is going to be forever. And I sat in my chair and my, all my fellow student council people were around me. And I was just like, the closer it got to the number 12, the more my... You know this moment when it gets to be too much, it's like, oh boy, oh boy. And they said, so from District 12, from Washington, Indiana, Jeremy Clark. And I was like, let's go! And I jumped up and I was yelling. And I might have done like 600 uh, Tiger Woods fist pumps as I was walking to the stage uh, to receive my letter of congratulations from them. It was absolutely, listen to me, it was, as far as I can remember, the most anxious I have ever been in my life, going from number one to number 12, waiting for people to announce if I was going to get the thing that I had been working towards. The anticipation was really, really high because it was something that I wanted. And all of us, in whether it's maybe not something as insignificant as something in high school, but as an adult or all of us, here in this room this morning have these moments of anticipation where we secretly have been waiting for something or have been wanting something and we have to see if it's going to actually happen. I mean, Christmas morning itself is just a morning of anticipation when you're sitting in front of the tree and you're waiting for the gifts to be open and if you're anything like my parents, it was one at a time and I was always the last one to get to open things, whether you're traveling on vacation and you're trying to find a clean restroom and you're waiting in anticipation to be able to actually find that. Maybe you're uh, waiting for an email response because you sent something in an email and you're just hoping that the email comes back the way that you hope it should come back and you're, you're anticipating that. Or maybe, if we're being really honest, maybe 
your moments or time where you're most anticipating things were waiting for some type of medical exam results, where you were waiting to hear what news was going to be coming and you were anticipating or hopeful for the right kind of answer. And the Christmas story that we've been looking at over the past few weeks with vintage Christmas, looking at all the dynamics and and all the pieces that go along with this first Christmas, well, they have been leading up to this very morning that we're sitting in right now. And literally just the anticipation of building up to Christmas morning sets the stage for this Christmas story. But here's what I have you consider this morning. So uh, turn to your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder and say, consider this. Turn to your other neighbor who was your second choice and say, consider this, right? Here's what I would love for you to consider this morning. Whatever the circumstances might be, however long the waiting period is, and no matter what events occur, being in, in anticipation is a good place to be. This is what I want for you to consider this morning, that being in anticipation is a good place to be, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how long the waiting period is, or what the events are that lead up to it. It is a good thing to be in anticipation. And here's what we're going to look. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2. And I want for you to just kind of listen along. Now, you've probably heard this passage before, but allow for me to read it. And if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. But this is, uh, this is the full telling from the Gospel of Luke for the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house from the family line of David. So he was to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, it's not like they didn't have money to pay for a guest room. Thousands of people were coming back to Bethlehem because of this census, and they were literally just out of room. It would be like requesting for someone to hold uh, the city of Indianapolis to host a Super bowl size audience, but not giving them any notice. Hotel rooms would sell out very quickly because of the massive influx of people, and so because of that, they don't have a spot to live in. See, Mary and Joseph, when they get this decree and they realize they're going to have to travel, find themselves in anticipation of what's coming. Now, moms in the room, you probably were able to tell when it was getting close to having the child, you knew the time was coming. And imagine Mary being on this trip, knowing the time is going to be very, very short coming, that they're going to have this baby, and then all of a sudden someone declares a decree that you need to go and travel. The anticipation that they both have, it's probably pretty high in this moment. Verse 8, it says this, In the same regions, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to the people he favors. And when the angels had left them, they returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So Mary and Joseph are anticipation of what's going to happen. And then this angelic encounter from the shepherds shows up. And then they say, we need to leave right now. They're anticipating what they're going to go find and and what the angels have talked about. And the news that is told to them has been years in the making that they've been waiting for, have been in anticipation of, and these shepherds are in anticipation. And then in verse 16, it says, They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. See, there's a stirring amongst the people that happens when the shepherds come to tell them the good news, the things that they'd seen and experienced, and the people who had also been waiting for this Messiah, this king to be born, well, they were also in anticipation as well. And I'm wondering whether you're watching online right now at home, or if you're in the room with us, maybe a simple question that I'm curious of is, what have you been in anticipation about this past year? Think back over the, the, the last 365 days. And think back to all the things that have happened to you since the last time we got in this room to celebrate Christmas. And make a, maybe just have you consider for a second, what are the things that you have been in anticipation about over the past year? And maybe even still to this day, in anticipation about. That, that you were expecting or maybe hoping to have happen right? A restored relationship with either a loved one, like a family member or a spouse, a restored relationship with a best friend who is no longer your friend or because of certain circumstances has walked away from your friendship. Maybe you have a family member who's walked away from the faith and you have been in anticipation, hoping and praying and waiting for the day that they would come back to the faith in Christ that they once had. Maybe you've been in anticipation about a new career, changing jobs and making a decision to, to, do, to do something different than what you have always done and your paycheck might have been on the line to be able to have that. Maybe you've been in anticipation of a clear diagnosis. Or maybe a family member has been in anticipation of a text message that says, I'm free of this thing. Maybe a hurt from the past 
You've been anticipation of being able to finally move on past that thing that you can't seem to get rid of, all of the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that come along with it. Maybe over this past year, you have been in anticipation of finally being able to either forgive them or have them forgive you and to be able to move on past it. Maybe you've just been really, really hopeful for clarity on a decision that you've made. But I just want, want for us in the room, all of us, when we look at vintage Christmas and we look back at the first Christmas story, we see a whole group of people that during Christmas time they sit and they find themselves being in anticipation of what Jesus, this little baby, could potentially mean to all of them. And here's why I say that being in anticipation is a good place to be because if you can be in anticipation of something, it means that you have hope for what is to come. That if, that if you are anticipating the end of a situation or a scenario, that you are hopeful that there will be a resolution that you can look forward to. And in fact, if you don't have a resolution that you can potentially look forward to, then most people don't even worry about the thing. They just accept it and there is no anticipation. There's just worry and anxiety and stress because there's no such thing as hope when you view it that way. But if you look at certain situations and circumstances with hope as the lens that you see things through, then no matter what the circumstance, the timing, or how the events unfold, then it's good to be in anticipation because you have hope that you're able to see things through, which is what this Christmas season is all about. That in all the events and all the things that happen, God, through his son Jesus, allows for us to have hope. And and I don't know what this looks like for all of you that are in this room. For my wife and I, we have been trying to have kids for a really, really long time. And now we are at the very end, like very, very end of getting ready to start meeting potential children that we can adopt And the frustration that has been and existed for us in this process has been very, very demanding and very, very frustrating. But can I tell you that we have been in anticipation because we have hope for what the end result will be. And it's my prayer this morning as we celebrate Christmas, whatever it is that you might be in anticipation for, that you would choose that you would choose to have hope on the other side of whatever the thing is. Because what Christmas tells us and what we know from this season and what it's all about is because of Jesus, we have hope when it seems like we shouldn't have any. And this is how we know that hope is available. Because this Christmas story that we read in this book and the faith that comes from believing the truth that's in it, We know that hope is available because the Christmas story, if you've fallen asleep or started to wonder about other things, come back in for a second. Because the Christmas story reminds us that God is who he says that he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Let me me say it again. Then I put some of you to sleep. The Christmas story is the best reminder 
that God is who He says that He is, and that He will do what He says that He will do. And I'm telling you that for whatever situation or circumstance or thing you might have lost hope in, all of the things that you have been looking for can be found in the person of Jesus because He is who He says that He is, and He does what He says that He'll do. And that... That is why Christmas is so great. Because before Jesus, that hope did not exist. But now because of Jesus, everyone has it available for them. I have found often that Jesus is in the business of doing whatever He wants to and using whatever He wants to accomplish it. And so all of the situations that you are in anticipation for, and all the things that might make it look like nothing's ever going to work out, or I'm never going to get this, I'm never going to find this, this is never going to happen. Angels and shepherds and family members and wise men and king's decrees didn't stop the birth from happening. And God's plan for us all comes to earth tightly wrapped in cloth and in a manger. And so it's my hope this morning for you that whatever it is that you're going through, that you would anchor your hope and your faith in the person of Jesus. Because that's what Christmas is all about. And although we talked a lot about Christmas this morning... It's impossible for us to gather together as people who love Jesus and are trying to figure out how to live our lives for Him. It's impossible for us to talk about hope from Jesus without talking about what happens about 33 years later when Jesus goes on a cross and lays down His life so that we can find ours. And it's, well, it's kind of ironic that a king who was born through crazy circumstances that look like one thing, but because God is who He says that He is and He does what He says He'll do at a manger scene, does the exact same thing at a crucifixion scene. That God is who He says that He is, the Savior of the world, the Lamb who will lay down His life, and He does what He says that He'll do for the forgiveness of our sins, all the things that we would hope no one ever finds out about us, the things that we don't want to talk about because we're ashamed that we're guilty of, all the grief, all the things that hold us back and keep us from from being the people that we're created to be, all of those things get taken away when Jesus is nailed on a cross and three days later comes back to life. So if you are looking to get yourself the best possible Christmas gift this year, maybe, just maybe, is that you would look at a baby born in a manger and realize that the whole time he was alive, he was preparing to lay down his life for you and a free gift of salvation. And if you're in the room and you haven't taken that opportunity 
to give Jesus a chance to be the, the king of your life and for you to submit and lay down your life, I would love for you to come and have a conversation. Maybe this morning when we take communion, you just take a few moments up here and just like the wise men and the shepherd did, that they kneeled before the king to give gifts and thanks to them. We're going to give you these next few moments. Communion is up here on these tables and there are some that are back there. We want for you to take a moment here to simply just say thank you to Jesus because all the good gifts that we have ever had and ever will have are because of him. So let's pray together. Lord, we just... Uh, we're so humbled to serve a king that would... that would look at us and, and, and not hold any of the things that we've done wrong against us. We're humbled to, to know a king who became like his people. And God, we're thankful for Jesus because of, because of who he is, because of what he does for us. So we thank you for the cross, but we're, we're thankful for the cross because that's not the end of the story because the grave is empty three days later. We're thankful for that power that is available to all of us. So in these next few moments, we simply worship you to give you the honor and the glory that you and you alone are due, not only in this place, but in our hearts and in our lives. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.